0: All right, welcome, ladies. We're studying uh, Tehillim. We are up to chapter 63, Samich Giman. We're going in order. These classes are studied. This is the shalom. Her son, uh, the doctor, championed this uh, initiative that we should study the book of Tehillim as fast as we do it, or as slow as we do it, but whatever we do should be in memory of uh, Mrs. Meddev. She was a tzadiket, and we are in, uh, like I said, chapter 63. The backdrop of this chapter is similar to the backdrop of similar chapters that we've learned in the previous weeks. A lot of these chapters, David HaMelech did not sing when he was uh, in a tranquil position. I mean, they're so beautiful, you think he wrote them, you know, sitting at a park bench with birds chirping and a beautiful sunny uh, spring day, uh, looking at some waters that were flowing in front of him, you know, in the the pristine uh, conditions, but it was not the case. Most of the Tehillim David writes when he's under dire conditions, when he's under uh, tremendous stress. This chapter is no exception. David, in this chapter, is running away from Shaul again. Uh, Shaul was chasing him in the Midbar. And when he's in the Midbar, Yehuda, so he's in caves and he's on cliffs and he's in mountains and he's in the most unfavorable conditions. And uh, at this point, all David and can think about is God and his connection to God and how much he loves God and how much he wants to connect to God and how much he misses being close to the Mishkan and the Shekhinah and all the, the wonderful things. And even though he's being deprived in the Midbar from water, from hydration and from basic physical needs, David has no concern about that. All David Melik is saying, forget about the water and forget about my nutrition. All I'm worried about is my spiritual nutrition. I want to reach uh, Devekut, which means attachment to God, closeness to God, oneness with God. Again, it seems that for the Tzaddik, there's nothing more uh, pleasurable than connection, the bikut, feeling that closeness with God, and there's nothing more tragic than feeling the disconnect. It's almost as if it's a drug of some sort, that once you feel the connection, you don't want anything else in the world but it. And once you lose it, there's nothing more uh, uh, critical or more uh, disheartening than the fact that you lost your Dibikut. It's a, it's a great lesson to show you how sweet and pleasurable the bikut is. I learned with a great rabbi many years ago, Rav Chaim Brim, he was a tzaddik from Yerushalayim, Rav Chaim Brim, he was a hasid. And he would tell us about a great rabbi called Rabbi Haskil Avramsky. And he would say about Rabbi Haskil Avramsky, he would put his thumb next to his forefinger, his etzba, and he would hold it tight like this close. And he would say, you see how close my thumb is to my index finger? I feel closer to Hashem. How can you feel closer? There's, <laughs> there's nothing uh, separating. That's the tzaddikim. And when Rav of I think had an episode, a health episode, so he was in his hospital bed after the episode, and he was uh, groaning, and he was uh, showing signs of pain. And when they came to me he said, what's the Is the rev okay? And he said, he feels bad that for a few moments, he lost the Vikut. At the time of his episode, there was a little break in the, uh, in the connection. And therefore, he was agonizing over that. Forget about his health. He was worried that, you know, for a few seconds, a few moments, he lost the, the connection. Rav Chaim Brim would give them Mashal, which is such a beautiful Mashal. He would tell us, he says, boys, you know what the, 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 space, uh, the spaceship is? When they sent the rocket to, to space, so when they sent the original rocket to space, I'm just telling you the way he told it to us, and uh, they get to, to the moon, so now they have to report back to NASA uh, in Houston to tell them that uh, they got there. So they, they show the, 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 the people in NASA trying to get in touch with the spaceship, and uh, they don't have any uh, feedback. And they say, do you hear us? Do you hear us? And they see nothing. You see all the people in NASA, their faces like the Shahab because they lost connection with the, with the rocket ship. And all of a sudden, you hear from the moon, the astronauts say, NASA, we hear you. And all of a sudden, you see everybody in NASA, they jump up like Houdini, my Tawar up and Muhammad told me, God. Why? They're all excited because they have connection. And he said, You see how exciting divikut is when you, when you said a connection, when you create a, 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 a bond between two entities, in this case, us and God, there's nothing more pleasurable and nothing more favorable. So, David and Melech. He's going to be in the Midbar. It's, this is the Midbar called Midbar Yehuda. Okay, that's also, uh, it's called in the Nabib Midbar Zif. Like Zayin Yud Per. And, um, and it is in this Midbar that David Amelik is able to write this Mizmor. Mizmor le David yotub midbar Yehuda. Rashi right away tells us what was he doing in Midbar Yehuda. Obviously he didn't live there. Boreyach b'pene He was running, From Shaul. Elohim, Eliata. Now these are different names of God. Elohim usually is um, used in a time of judgment. Even though David was going through a difficult time, and God was dealing with him as Elohim, as Deen. Eliata, He says, nonetheless, I still uh, relate to you, God, as the God of Eli. Eli means merciful, kind, rahamim. And therefore, David M. says, I love you so much. And as a result, Asha'areka. What is Asha'areka? Rashi. Avakesh ve'edrosh lecha. Which means, I will seek you out. And I will, uh, I will, I will, Avakesh, uh, edrosh. Uh, I will yearn for you. I will be drawn to you. Asha'areka. Some learn Ashahareka. It's like when you come to greet somebody. You go to their door early in the morning. I will wake up early in the morning. It, like Ibn Ezra says, which means I wake up early in order not to lose any moments of attachment to you. Now listen to this beautiful language over here. tsame'a means I'm thirsty. tzameh, is thirsty. Now you would think that Bira melik is in the Midbar. What is he thirsty from? From water. He's thirsty from hydration. Yes, he says, there's no, there's, no, there's no oasis over there in the Midbar. He says, I don't care about my physical. Samea <speaking> lecha. <languages> I am thirsty for you. <speaking> lecha. <languages> for God. For your closeness. Nafshi. <speaking languages> my soul. Meaning the spiritual soul of David. But not only my soul yearns to be close to you. Kama lecha besari. Kama means ta'ava. Ta'ava means lust. Kama. <speaking languages> I have a desire. My physical body even desires, not food, and not physical uh, pleasures. Kamal <laughs> lechan my physical body is desirous and wants to uh, 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 be attached to you. That she says lashon ta'ava, kamal is lashon ta'ava. And as she says in the beginning words tame'al lecha nafshi, ani. I am thirsty and I am desirous. I want to go back to shul. I want to go back to the bet to the house of prayer, to the to the place of the Shekinah. And where is this? In a dry land, veayef, and um, without any uh, uh, water, belimayim, without water, which means. Where am I saying this? I'm, I'm in a midbar that has no water, where everybody else would be worried about their physical things, and I am worried about my spiritual connection. So David el is making the point. It'd be one thing if David was asking this when he's sitting in Jerusalem, in the temple, and everything is fine over a, over a continental breakfast. But he's not. He's saying, where am I asking for this? Be'eretziyah ve'ayev That shows you the greatness of David HaMelech, that his physical interests paled in comparison to his interest to be close to God. Now, some want to say the pasuk like this, that David HaMelech learned this love of God specifically because he was in this situation. David HaMelech said, I love God like most people love water on a thirsty, hot day where they're parched. Means David HaMelech used his physical uh, situation to apply it to a spiritual. When he saw how much people in this situation would be drawn to water and be drawn to trying to find some way to survive physically. David HaMelech says that doesn't bother me. I learned from the physical attractions of others that would be in this situation how to use that physical attraction to serve God spiritually He's a, a different Madriga, David HaMelech it says they search for water I search for closeness Ken Bakodesh Haziticha now David HaMelech says Ken Bakodesh Haziticha I remember that I saw you Haziticha means I saw you Shechina. Where did I see you, God? Bakodesh, in the holy. Now, where would he see God in the holy? There was no Beit HaMikdash in David's time. However, there was Mishkan Shiloh. Mishkan Shiloh was the temporary Mishkan. David HaMelech became king at 30 years old. Even when he became king, there was no, there was no Mishkan Shiloh at that time. But the Mishkan Shiloh was actually destroyed 13 years um before he became king. Uh, so therefore, David HaMelech is reminiscing. I remember in the past when I used to go to these holy places and see your Shekhinah and feel your presence in Mishkan Shiloh. Uh, now, he says, Ken Bakodesh Haziticha Uchpodecha To see, and that's by the way that she says that, Kederek Mishkan Shiloh just like I saw you previously, many years ago, when I used to visit Mishkan Shiloh to Nafshi, I pray that my body or my soul should be satiated Now what is Uzecha Uchpodecha? So the Ibn Ezra says Uzecha is a reference, well he doesn't say it here, but he says it in the, in the last chapter of Tehidim, when the Pasuk says Halilhu birkiya Uzo, Uzo represents the Aron Kodesh. Oz, Oz is the Aron, the Ark and the Kivodecha is referring to the Mishkan now you need to know a little of the the history over here Uh, after in this time of David the Mishkan was not in Shiloh the Mishkan was in two cities first in Nov and then in Giv'on and that's where they brought Korbanot in Nov and Giv'on what happened was the Aaron Kodesh was not in the same place as the Mishkan. This is a uh, Hidush. Normally, the Aaron is in the Mishkan. But here, in the times of David, the Mishkan was in one place, and the Aaron was in a different place. Um, and they used to go to the Aron to pray, which was a different, different location. So they had two places where they served. They served in the Mishkan, and they served at the Aron. Uh, what happened with the Aaron was the Pilishtim? They robbed the Aron. They actually stole the Aron. If you learn the Navi, you'll read that story. And when they returned it, they returned it to a place called Bet Shemesh. And uh, David HaMelech did not return it to the ultimate Mishkan. That was not returned until Shilmoh would build the Bet HaMekdash. Then the Aron would go back to the original temple. So here David HaMelech is saying two things. Lirot ozecha ukhbodecha. I want to return to see your ozekah, your Aron, which was in one place, and Kivodech at the Mishkan, which is in a different place. So that's the interpretation of those two Pesukim. And now we get to a beautiful, beautiful Pesuk. Uh, I did see, by the way, over here in the Tilim of Rabbi Gamliel Rabinovich. He makes a very good point. He says, if you look at this, you'll notice that the tzaddikim, they reached very high levels of spirituality in remote places where nobody was. Uh, This is referred to in Hasidut as hitbodedut. Hitbodedut means where you try to find, you know, a quiet place where nobody's around, far from society, far from the noise. And from that tranquil place, you're able to connect to God. The reason why we have a hard time connecting because there's too much distractions. Even you have a phone with you, finished, you can't connect because you're too worried about your phone. So your mind does not have the ability just to elevate to a higher level of connection. Or there's noise and there's different... But when a person goes to the fields and he's just in a quiet, tranquil place and he connects just with nature alone, then he's able to bring himself close to God. That's why our rabbis tell us the avot by. Design of Ramatak Yaakov, Moshe and David were shepherds on purpose, not because they wanted to make money. The reason why they were shepherds is because it's the best job. You go in the middle of the wilderness, middle of nowhere, it's quiet. You see the mountains and the green, and the, there's no noise from the hustle and bustle of the city. And what were they able to do during their shepherding? And what did they do? Just think about God and connect, and there was no distractions. Even great Sadiqim today, from time to time, you see them disappear. Where they go, they just go to a remote place, they walk alone on the beach where nobody's around, quiet, and they just walk, and they connected because we hear the waves, and they're able to, it's a, it's a, it's a concept. David melech reached these levels in the Midbar. Who's in the Midbar? The Ibexes, the, uh, the, uh, the animals. No, no, nobody's there with them. So he quotes over here from a rabbi called the Rivash, and he says, uh, in, his, in his last will and testament, What's the merit if a person really wants to feel this attachment that we're talking about? So he says, That means you should separate from time to time to be in Hidbodidut. means in a, you know, private, alone, Without any uh, without any distractions, and his uh, languages, he says You learn a great principle. He wasn't with the people. Anybody can be Attachment. From time to time, you have to leave the hustle and bustle of the city and you Interesting, it's interesting that if anybody wants to feel this thrill, this ecstasy that we're talking about of Debekut, so you have to be willing to once in a while just go away in a you know, private... That's why Shabbat is a very great day for Debekut. Shabbat is built in this concept where you're automatically removed from Olam So Shabbat is a great opportunity to feel closest to because we're disconnected from the other things. Now, he says over here, in another piece that he has, it's a beautiful piece, Rabbi Rabbi Novich, he says, I yearn seeing you in the Mishkan. I yearn seeing you in the holy places. Well, today, we don't have holy places like the Mishkan. We don't have the Ark. So where would you go today if you were interested in connecting to the Shekhinah? So he says something, something beautiful. He writes, "There's still places where you can reach the Shekhinah. and he quotes from the Gaon of in the Tikkune HaZohar in Tikkun Chaf Aleph. Shmiyom sheharav b'tamikdash hashraat haShekhina etzel kevre haTzadikim. Oh, the graves of the Very interesting. The graves of the tzadikim. So, therefore, it should be uh, on your uh, to do list from time to time to go visit graves of Sadiqim. You don't have to go to, uh, you know, to the Ukraine, which I don't recommend, but you could go even local. There's great Sadiqim. I was just in Morocco, and we spent one day just visiting the graves of the big, big Sadiqim, Rabbi Haim Bendiwan, that's the son of Rabbi Abram Diwan. And there be ben Hens, which is great, great, great something. But these are remote places. So you say to yourself, is it Kedai? You're going to drive two hours there until you get to the mount? Of course it's Kedai, because the Shekhinah rests in these places. But the best place to go if you want to feel the presence of the Shekhinah, the Rav quotes from the Gaon of Vilna, is Kevr Rahayli Menu. Rahayli Menu is known, the tomb of Rachel. That's the Shekhinah is there, in a very, very high presence. So these are different, uh, I would call them tricks, but different methods. That if a person wants to feel a certain charge, a certain connection, he should go to these places. And the rab then says, It's okay from time to time to go pray on Kibrit Tzedikim. I know the great Kabbalists, they usually go Erev Rosh They like to go the day before Rosh Chodesh. That's the day that they designate to visit the graves of the tzaddikim. He says, If a person is looking for a revelation and a connection, that's the place to go. And then he says, If you can go from time to time to uh, Meron, that's where you really feel the concentration is And what are you going to do when you get to the grave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yuhai? Many people go during like Ba'omer, but you would be surprised. Even before Rosh Chodesh, hundreds of people go there in order to connect. And what should you pray when you get to these graves of the Sadiqim? So he says, If the tears could come out of your eyes, that would be better. And what should you say? The following. Just like in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, the presence of God was tangible, and we felt it. So too, when we have now no Beit HaMikdash, God Almighty, I want to feel it. Now if you're lucky, you'll get a charge, and you'll feel electricity at that moment, or a, a certain point after that and then once you taste it, David HaMelech is correct. You'll want nothing else. Nothing else in this world will matter to you. That's how um, uh, attractive this item that we're talking about is difficult attachment and closeness to Hashem. But it doesn't happen if you're listening uh, to the radio and you have music on, you have noise and uh, distractions, then all those things removes us from the concentration. So when we go to Kibbutz Tzadikim with the Shekhinah is there? You're asking the Shechinah, the grave of the tzaddik, Please, God, let me feel this, this moment. Let me feel the attraction, even when I leave. And if you're zokhe, you'll be able to uh, to get something. Now he says, "Kitov hastecha Okay, let's explain. What does it mean, "Kitov hastecha mehayim"? So he explains it the following, Mefarshim I'm reading now. Actually, I'm going to read to you the way the Hida explains it. Yoter tov in Anach, Yoter tov mechesed which is, God does us a tremendous chesed. What's the chesed he does to us? I would have said, the biggest chesed that Hashem does for us is gives us life. can <laughs> get a better chesed than that. So he says, no, ki tov hastecha there's something even greater than the chesed of life. Look at me, greater than the chesed of life. So Haida writes, What does that mean? That you give our lips the ability to praise you. That is the greatest chesed. He says, You gave me the ability to praise you. who are we to praise God? God is so beyond, and we are so minimal. (laughs) You need a Zechut to praise God. (laughs) A normal king will come along and say, keep your mouth quiet in front of me. You can't even talk. Who are you to praise me? When you see the king, you must keep quiet. But God says, no, I give the Jewish people the ability to praise me. And that's the biggest zehut that God does for us, that he allows us to praise him. See, we think we're doing God a favor when we praise him. So look how good we are, we're praising God. Because we don't realize what Zehut it is that you have the ability to praise God. Hashem should, should, should say to us technically, keep quiet. God is so awesome. For example, if you went to a great, great rabbi, if you go to Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, you'd be scared to even praise him you would be in his presence, you would be afraid to open your mouth. When we went to the, the big rabbi, the stipler rabbi, many years ago, we didn't even open our mouth, we were scared to tell him good afternoon, we didn't want to say anything, we don't say nothing, we can open our mouth in front of the great rabbi, in front of a king, you don't open your mouth till he says to open your mouth, you're scared, even if you want to say a praise, I in his presence we didn't say anything, even to praise the rabbi. Nothing, Who are you to praise? You're nothing. You're a little pipsqueer. You're going to praise the big rabbi. What do you even know to praise? So whatever we're saying by big personalities, times that by infinity to God. God should say, you're going to open your mouth in front of me. Just keep quiet. You're, you're lucky that you're alive. So that's what David Midrash says. Greater, ki hastecha mehayim, greater than the chesed that you have given us life, The fact that you give us the ability to praise you. And who knows this better than David HaMelech? I'll tell you why. David HaMelech not only made this statement, but he lived it. A lot of people, they talk, but they don't practice what they preach. David HaMelech practiced what he preached. Why? David did not deserve life, as you know. David was supposed to die, God forbid, but he was supposed to die at childbirth, at, 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 at birth. He only was allotted three hours of life. That was his uh, lot. For whatever reason, God gave David three hours. He was going to be born. Three hours later, he was supposed to die. That would have been the whole experience of David. He lived on borrowed time, as you know. Whose time did he borrow? Adam and Hishon. Adam and Hishon was supposed to live a thousand years. And when David, when Adam was scanning the future generations, he saw that David, a big Sadiq, a holy soul, doesn't have any time, so God, uh, so David, Adam came to God and said, what about the Tzaddik, why doesn't he have any time, that's my decision, so Adam said, well can I, can I contribute, of course you can contribute, how much you want to contribute, I'll give him 70 years, that's why Adam lived 930, because the last 70 years of his life was transferred to David the Melech, so David got the biggest gift, what's the gift that he got, life, but what did David spend those 70 years doing? Writing the 150 chapters of Tehillim. All he did and he spent in his life is what? Praising God. So he lived this Pasuk. He said, greater than your head said that you gave me life. You gave me the ability. You gave me the ability to praise him. So, therefore, when a person is praising God, you must know that at that moment when you're saying, Thank you, Hashem, God is so great. Any moment you're involved in that, you're involved in the highest level of God doing you chesed. Even greater than life is the fact that Hashem has given you the ability, us the ability to praise Him. Therefore, David spent his life praising Kadosh Baruch Hu. How, how wonderful. Now, there's a deeper explanation to this Pasuk here. And that is based on something that I found in the uh, the Yalkut Shem'oni. The Yalkut Shem'oni says the following: There was a tzaddik called Abraham Abinu. Now Abraham Abinu died at one hundred and seventy-five years old he lived less than his son Yitzhak. Yitzhak lived to 180. Abraham did not make it. And the rabbis tell us he actually died five years premature. He should have lived to 180, but God took him five years premature. Why? Because Abraham had a grandson. His grandson was Esav. And Esav, when he got to the age of about 15 years old, he started to veer off the straight and narrow path. When the Naarim became Gedolim, Esav started to become a hunter, and he was, uh, you know, doing avirot. And it would have been a great agony for Abraham to see his grandson go off the derech. So therefore, what God did was to spare Avraham that uh, pain, he took him five years earlier. So he didn't have to, he didn't have to see the, um, you know, that. So the pasuk is read like this. Amara Kadosh I'm reading the Yalkut. I promised Abraham. I said to him, you're going to die at a ripe old age and you're going to rest in peace. Which is When you leave this world, it's going to be a, a pleasant moment. Is this a good ending? To see his grandson worshipping Abu Dazara. Abraham Abinu would have died a miserable death if he had to see that. Esau was committing all the sins of immorality. Shofek he was committing murder. Imagine he has a grandson that's committing the three cardinal sins. He does, and that's the grand, who's his grandfather? Abraham Abin. Are we us to see this, God said, it'd be better off, Abraham would be more uh, benefited if he would be taken away from this world. Atam Mosei, Avraham hi, you see that Abraham lived only 175 years, be Kufpeh, where Yitzhak lived more. The assumption is that Avram should have lived at least as long as his son, but he didn't. Why did God take them away? mehayim. The way he's learning it over here is. Is that Sometimes it's a chesed to die than to be alive. Kitov Sometimes it's a bigger chesed to be removed from this world than to live. And what's the classic case of Rababinu? In Abraham's case, it was he was better off leaving this world than remaining in this world. So that that's also once, once in a while. Sometimes God forbid somebody's suffering. Nobody likes to see somebody that they love suffering. And then all of a sudden, they're taken out of their misery. And they go, To'olam Bad, it's finished. So then you could apply this pasuk also, has that Sometimes it's a bigger chesed that the person should leave the world at a certain point and continue to have life. And especially if by living in this world, he's going to have to witness things that are going to be harmful to his existence. So therefore, the pasuk is being studied uh, as that. Now there's a, another interpretation that I saw in uh, one of the sefarim called Leb Avraham. That's a, a sefer that one of our members, uh, Mr. Toman Naftali Shmirei Wa'el, he presented to me. I'm very grateful. And uh, once in a while he has nice chidushim, this rabbi called Leb Avraham, so I'll offer you the chidush of Lev Avraham. He says like this. It's a very, very nice Musar. If you ask most people, does God do chesed? Yes, of course, God does chesed for people. And where is God's chesed done in this world? How long does a person live? Let's go to the maximum, 120. So in the 120 years of life, Bori Olam gives us, uh, does chesed us, and all sorts of chesed But in those 120 years, also, there's a lot of hardships, there's a lot of difficulties, there's a lot of times where uh, there's suffering, and there's all sorts of, you know, uh, yisurin, afflictions. So, what happens when a person goes through afflictions in this world? He comes and he has claims against God. Well, what kind of life are you giving me over here? What kind of uh, businesses over here? Why am I. But he says he's making a big mistake. Because the chesed of God is not only in this world. The chesed of God is in the next world as well. We make the mistake to think that after a person passes away, that's it, the game's over. It's not over. That's when the game just begins. Which means God does kindness for us eternally. You know what eternally means? Forever. Netzach. Olam So I want to ask you a question. In the 120 years of life, What is that ratio against eternity? 120 years is nothing. I don't even want to say it's a second. It's a a nanosecond. It's not even a nanosecond. What's 120 years? What's 120 pages of a book that's endless? That has infinite amount of pages. It's not even the beginning of the book. It's not even the preface. It's not even the opening 120 Pages of a book that's infinite. So, therefore, we make the mistake to think that when something goes wrong in this world, that oh God is not doing us uh, kindness. What are you talking about? Put it in perspective. The kindness of God is infinite. So this little bump in the road, this little hiccup, this little difficulty is nothing compared to the kindness that God does for us in the in the long in the long scheme of things. So the way he says it is, and I'll quote, he never. Bnei Adam ketsre reot. Kitzrei reot means they're short-sighted. Why? Because They look at the life in this world kemo ikara They think that that's the main existence. So yikshib, they have a lot of problems with God sometimes, and they say. They're accepting the, the judgments of God when they see Yisurin coming on them and when they see young people suffering, God forbid, and young people dying and all the different gizirot that come onto the nations and things like that. So they come along and say, where's God? I thought God is a Hesed God. I thought God's a kind God. How can he allow this, all these troubles to happen? All these uh, Yisurin to, 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 to exist. And even if they make sins, they say, well, God should have mercy on us. So he comes along and says, but they're looking at it the wrong way. Because when we elevate our minds, and we start to think intellectually, and we look at the life that we have in this world, in the proper light, we give it the right perspective. It's only a sliver of time of 70 years against eternity. Like we say, Then it's easy to accept the the difficulties. It's only a small nothing. It's a small measure of, of time. It's a speck of sand. It's a speck of sand on the beach. If I pick up one speck of sand, what is it against the beach? I don't even have a ratio. One sand is nothing. One little crystal against the beach? So life against eternity is one crystal of sin. So therefore, we're agonizing over that one crystal, but look at all the good that Hashem is going to do for you eternally. So therefore, against, you have to put it in the perspective of the whole picture. The rabbis told us, When the pasuk says, Do the mitrots of God, will do good to you. When will he do good to you? In the next word. So when you start to look at it like that, you'll start to see that this world is very temporary and very ephemeral. And that's what it means in the Pasuk. The kindness of God, which which is the... uh, 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 permanent, which is the eternal chesed Your kindness is greater than hayim of this world If we look at how long your chesed exists It's greater than this world Than the small amount of life that we live here By the way, better to get it in the small sliver of time here and then eternally to have chesed and bliss forever. When you start to look at that, ki tov aztecha mehayim, which is the chesed that we're gonna get in Ulama Haba, which is forever, is much greater, and pales in comparison to the small amount of that we get in this world. Therefore, a person would be uh, well-suited to have this attitude, and to give him a little easier way to accept the things that Hashem does. Beautiful interpretations. Can, we go to the next person? can, as a result, I will bless you during my lifetime. That's the purpose. The purpose is to praise Hashem. So therefore, so when a person makes a berachah, you have to know that's the purpose of life, to make berachot to Hashem. Bishemcha isa I will mention your name, and I will lift my hands up. You ever see when people pray, they lift their hands up to God? Esak the Kohanim, they lift their hands up as well. when I mention your name, Rashi says, ul-halel, and to say halel, to say the, the halel, which is the, uh, the praise of God. Kimu nafshi, and when I serve you, God, and praise you, I will be satiated like I'm eating the most delicious foods. Hele vadeshin, these are fatty, foods, I guess, uh, not the most healthy foods, but foods that are nonetheless uh, tasty. Usually it's like that. Uh, foods that are tasty are usually the ones that are not so healthy. But that's just an example. I mean, I'm reading a book over here of one of the great rabbis that wrote a perush on the Tehillim. Uh, Rabbi Yaakov Edelstein, ala vashanom. He has a beautiful perush called Beikveh Ketuvim. So when he writes, you know, Helev and the dishing, he wants to give an example of you know delicious foods in parentheses. He writes schnitzel with chips. <laughs> okay, I guess that's a Israeli really standard of uh, you know a steak and a steak and fries. But okay, so he says it's like the most delicious foods. my my uh, my soul will be satisfied. The pi My mouth will be filled with songs and praise now um, I did mention I think once in a uh, in a previous uh, class but it's can I repeat because I saw it brought down again this is a very very big yesot many people ask Rabbi what do we do on Shabbat when we're not allowed to pray to Hashem for our personal needs but we have personal needs People are still sick on Shabbat. We still need Panasah on Shabbat. We still need, uh, you know, all the different uh, items that nag us during the week. They don't go away on Shabbat. We still need these things. So somebody asked me, Rabbi, the pleasure of asking God for things is taken away from me on Shabbat. I I can't ask for things. So uh, I I feel deprived. So it's taking away from my pleasure of Shabbat. So he asked, am I allowed to ask for these things? I once saw a B'ni a similar question, but what I saw brought down in the books is something beautiful. There's two types of prayers. One is a direct prayer where you're asking, Hashem, please give so and so, and if we ask them That prayer we do during the week. That prayer, however, has a resistance sometimes. Because as that prayer goes up, you're asking for a favor from God. Now already, the angels or the negative angels, the uh, the prosecutors, they come along and say, who's he to ask? Who's he to ask when well, he wants something? He doesn't deserve nothing. He's gonna ask, he's in arrears. He owes God so much, he's gonna come and ask for something, and they tear it up. And So during the week when a person prays, the prayer's gotta get up and bypass the m'katrigim. Not so easy. But there's another way to ask for something. You don't ask. You just praise Hashem. For example, in the first three Berachot of the Amida, which are considered praise of God, they don't requests. One of the things we say in the first three Berachot is yeah. What do we say there? God, you are the Rofei We're not asking for anything. We're just making a praise. It's fact. It's true. You are the Rofei So therefore, the rabbi said, on Shabbat, when you say those praises, of and you have in mind, when you say that praise, a name of somebody. Now, that praise must go up to God. Because the prosecutors cannot deprive God from a praise. They can't say, well, who is he to praise mean? Hashem allows me to praise him. I'm not saying anything wrong. God is a And my thoughts that only God can read bypass also the angels. And therefore the praise of God with my thoughts... Now reach the Kisei HaKavot. And therefore the praise that we praise God in the tefillot of Shabbat are considered a prayer. And it's one of the most unbelievable prayers. That's why we have a custom in our shul. It's an old custom from Halam. They used to get up early in the morning on Shabbatot and sing Bakashot. What is Bakashot? Songs. Special songs of Shabbat. The first 50-60 pages of the Pismon book are special songs called Bakashot Shabbat. Now what does bakashot mean? Requests. But if I thought bakashot, you're not allowed to have bakashot on Shabbat. We're not asking God, we're singing to God. And all these songs talk about all the wonderful things that God does. But by singing it, that song becomes a prayer that's not subject to the prosecution or the sabotage of the mekatregim. Because the Meket cannot say, Oh, who is he to praise? What do you mean I'm praising God? It's Amen. I don't have to have a, 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 a merit to praise God. Anybody can praise God. I'm telling you the truth. So they have to let that praise go up. So they, when we sing these Bakashot, they're not called because they're called because they're actually veiled requests. It's veiled in a song. It's veiled in a praise. That's what we beat Tidim on because in Tehilim, there's all the requests of the Bible. He's just praising Hashem. But when we add our intention to the praise, then the tefillah goes to the highest level. So he writes over here, he says, It's unbelievable. There's an item that works even greater than tefillah. And it says in the Bible, The sifter Let your mouth just sing the songs of God and praise. What does it say in the tefillah? God chooses what type of prayer? When we sing to him. Uh, When we we go to a sick person on Shabbat, we say, we we cannot directly pray for them, so we say, it's Shabbati. We're not allowed to praise, scream to God today. But Yirifu'ah will come quickly. That's what we tell the sick people on Shabbat. Shabbati min z'ok. It is Shabbati. We are not allowed to cry out to God. But don't worry, Yirifu'ah will come quickly. I don't understand. If we're not allowed to pray to God, how can can the the prayer, how can the Yirifu'ah come quickly? The explanation is, because although we cannot scream out to God, but we can sing to Him, we could pray the Amidah and praise him. So when we say, God, you are the healer of all sick people. That is greater than even a Tefillah during the week sometimes. Because that is a praise that must go up. And therefore, with the Kavanah, Sifteh Renanot, as the Pasuk says, Yehalel It's a very, very important, important secret. Okay, let's continue. Im Ashmorot Very important lesson over here. If I remember you on my bed, well, Ashmorot in the in the morning, or Ashmorot is really in the middle of the night, I will be reminded of you. What is it referring to? There's a famous halakha in Aruch It's the first halakha in Aruch Page one, halakha one. Halakha says, and many people don't follow this, but it's a halakha. In the morning, you must wake up like a lion. Yitkaber ka'ari. When the alarm clock wakes up, in the morning, you have to get like a lion, to jump out of bed like a lion. <laughs> Today they put the snooze button. Vayaday you Kids are pushing the snooze button. Okay. And they don't get up like a lion, they get up like a lamb. They get up like a, like, like, like a, like a, like a worm. ka'ari. So one rabbi said, a student asked him, he said, Rabbi, what's the, what's the sigwala? How do you wake up like a lion? So he says, You have to go to sleep like a lion to wake up like a lion. But if you go to sleep like a hamor, you're not going to wake up like a lion. He says, what do you mean, hamor? First he goes to sleep, what does he do? He's with his cell phone, he's watching a movie, he's doing a texting, he's playing games, he's slicing fruit, he's doing all this nonsense. And then while he falls asleep in Habila eating eating bugs, eating dots on the, on the board and shooting stars all this all this crazy stuff so you went to sleep like Amor you're going to wake up like a lion you're going to change in the middle of the night not going to change You're going to be the same Amor that you went to sleep with how do you go to sleep? And you make the tefillah like this is This the Sidur Shema Yisrael The person goes to sleep with tremendous then you prepare that means we prepare ourselves to wake up when do we prepare ourselves to wake up? not two minutes before the alarm clock goes off we're preparing ourselves to wake up at night before we go to sleep the whole ritual of going to bed is a preparation for waking up. And therefore, it all depends how you go to sleep. So that's what the pasuk says, If I remember you on my bed, meaning when I retire at night with Kiryat Shema then you'll have the ability to wake up early in the morning and ponder God and connect. And then the Ebena Mehta concludes, You were my... Uh, my aid, Upsel kenafecha aranen. And in your, the wings of your, shadow of your wings, aranen, I, I sing to you. Now, this is two different types of uh, praises of God. There's two types of ways Hashem saves us. There's one type of way where, God forbid, there's a virus. So the person gets the virus, but then Hashem helps them recover. And there's another way that Hashem saves the person that the virus doesn't even come in him, which is even better. And that's what it means over here. You help me. Help means when I need help. That means the trouble reached me, but you helped me get out of it. Ubsel kenafecha, but other times you shadowed me in your wings that the trouble would not even reach me in the first place. And therefore I praise you for those moments as well. Dabeka conclusion, David el-Melech says, my, my soul is drawn towards you. You have supported me, that I should not fall. And now David, like he does in many of the chapters, he's so upset at his enemies, because his enemies are causing him to be away from God. They're chasing him into the desert. They're chasing him on the mountains. He wants to be in the yeshiva. He wants to be learning Torah in the, in, the, in, the, in the shul. Look at the desire he has. So he doesn't forget what his enemies did. He says, Vehema, regarding my enemies, all those wise guys, nafshi, they try to uh, ambush me in order to bring me to catastrophe. They want to Take away my life. Shoah means they want to bring me to darkness. Shoah means darkness. Like they say, the Holocaust is Shoah. It was a dark moment in history. I pray that they should end up underground. Wow, it's a strong, uh, strong, strong language there. Which means let them fall where they want to put me. She says, let my enemies be chased each one by the sword <laughs> and then after they get killed by the sword they shouldn't get married they should be eaten by the foxes well they said the keep had good curses they know how to curse not enough that they should get killed but when they get killed they should uh, be the dinner of the, of the shualim they should not get kibura it's unbelievable now there's a deeper explanation on this last Pasuk with the foxes. Shualim. <clears throat> I saw this brought down in the Yalkut Shimoni. Look how beautiful. So what do the Egyptians say? The Egyptians come along and say, Egyptians. All the boys that are born should be thrown into the river. Why? Why did they choose that death? Why why did the Egyptians choose the death of water? Midrash says, The Egyptians were clever. If we're going to punish the Jewish people by fire, we know God has power when it comes to fire. After all, look what he did to Sedom. He brought fire and brimstone down to Sedom and he destroyed. So that God knows how to play with fire. So therefore, we're going to punish the Jews with fire, God will, he'll, he'll take his fire out against us. Elohim <speaking in Hebrew> He can bring a fire from up. <speaking in Hebrew> but what did they say? They said, what's one item that God is, God forbid, handicapped, where he can't do? He promised never to bring a flood to the world. So, God's weakness is what? Water. So, therefore, they figured we'll punish the Jewish people in water. And God, since He promised never to bring water to the world to flood, He can't punish us with water. They knew that God punishes measure for measure. So, they had to figure out a measure that they will deliver that God cannot reciprocate. And since God promised not to bring a flood, So there you go, we can't punish them with water. That was the cleverness that they had. But I want to tell you something. As clever as you are, you're not clever more than God. And they miscalculated. Listen how they miscalculated. They said, That's why they threw the kids in the water. Thinking that God cannot punish them by bringing a mabul. And by the way, it's true. God promised never to bring a mabul to the world. But he never promised not to bring the people to the mabul. He promised not to bring a mabul to the people, but not that he's not gonna bring the people to the mabul. And what happened to the Egyptians? The water of Yamsuf did not come to them because God promised he will never bring the waters to the people. God put in their crazy brains and they walked right into the water. And therefore, they, they, they miscalculated. Amar la right. I promise not to bring the maboon to the world. Otama La Mabul. They're gonna go to the Mabul. The Mabu's gonna stay there. The war is gonna stay there. Emar, Yagiru Yagiru means God draws them ayedehairem. The sword, the sword of war. They came with this sword to kill the Jewish people. What was God actually doing? He was attracting the Egyptians to come close to the water. And that's why the Pasuk comes along and says, Look how beautiful. The Egyptians were drawn to the sword of war. And what were they drawn to? Says the Midrash, "Shu'alim is the She'al Yam. She'al-yam, that they were brought to the measure of the yam. The measure is, she'al is a measure, meaning God measures the, the water. And the, the, God knows how much exactly there's uh, in each uh, uh, body of water. So God brought the Egyptians, not Sha'alim foxes. Sha'alim is she'al-yam. He brought them to the measure of water that is in Yamsuf. And therefore what? The flood did not come to them. They walked right into the flood. A beautiful explanation. Finally, the pasuk concludes, This is referring to, "HaMelech" is referring to God. David Melech actually says, "I'm sorry that she says it's referring to himself because he was the king, he was anointed by Shimuel already." So he says, "V'haMelech," he's referring to himself. David Melech, God willing, Yismach Kol that I'll come back to the society eventually. In the olden days, when a person wanted to make a swear, he would swear on the life of the king. That was considered a, you know a respect to the king. You know, I swear on the life of the king. That was like a hashouf thing. So he says, when the people see that I was saved, so some say they'll they'll swear in God's name. And some say they'll swear in the name of the king, ki at the moment that you will quiet and silence all those that speak falsehoods against me. So the Amitra is referring to when he's going to come back and he's going to have a salvation. However, the mikubalim, and I'll conclude with this, the Ben High says this in his perush to Tehilim and Haim Bashalom. he says something beautiful. A little Kabbalistic, but it's okay. I think the average age is 40 over here, so uh, we're okay to learn a little Kabbalah. The 288 sparks, Did anybody teach about that? When God created the world, and after Adam and sinned, there was 288 sparks of kedusha that scattered all over the world. They're everywhere. Some of them are even here. And they're all over everywhere. And Mashiach cannot come until we retrieve all those 288 sparks. They call it the Rappach Nitzotzin. And we put them back where they belong. How do we retrieve them? We need a magnet. Not one of those Geiger counters that you see the bored people on the beach using. The magnet that we have is the mitzvot in the Torah. Anytime we do Torah and mitzvot, it attracts the sparks and brings them back to their original place. Now, don't think that when you do a mitzvah, you collect one spark. You collect maybe one billionth of a spark so you have to do millions and millions of mitzvot to keep on and only you can attract the sparks that are connected to you in the Shema so everybody has a purpose, we're working for the same goal it's like a scavenger hunt and everybody has their own purpose to do mitzvot, to to retrieve these sparks now, how many of the 288 are left? I know how many more or less the Zohar HaKadosh says in Egypt When we left Egypt, it says, We left with great wealth. The Zohar HaKadosh says, We recovered 202 of the 288 sparks. That's why uh, when Yaakov went down to Egypt, God told them the word bar. They went down to Egypt to get bar. Bar means wheat. But bar also was Betresh, which was 202. They went down to get the 202 sparks that were in that area of the world. So basically we have, from Egypt to today, we have 86 left. Now, by the way, we're 2,000 years later. More. So I'm sure that we are much closer to the finish line. Well no, maybe we I have one spark more. I don't know how many more. But in, by, by, by Egypt already we were 86 to go. Now the numerical value for 86 is Elohim. Elohim equals 86. Beautiful. Once we get the last spark of 86, what's going to happen? Mashiach. Now let's read the Pasuk. Vehamelich yismah Belohim. Vehamelich is a Kadosh Hu Yismah is going to rejoice Belohim. You know what he's going to rejoice? Belohim. Elohim is Gematria 86. When the last of the 86 sparks are going to be revealed, then there's going to be a great joy in the upper worlds by God. Because then he could send Mashiach. Now look at the second word of the Pasuk, Yismach. The letters Yismach, if you boggle them around, also spell the same letters as Mashiach. Mem, shin, Yud, yud veham, melech, Mashiach. Now when is we going to have the ultimate king, which is the Mashiach? Bilohim. Once we get the 86 sparks that are left, and that can only be done through Torah, so there's no other alternatives. As long as we continue to do the Torah, and we could not have it at a better time. So now we're coming to the holiday of Purim, which is a time of Ge'ulan, and right after that we have Pesach, which is clearly B'nissan Galu, so B'ezat Hashem we should be zochin the merit that we sat and learned for a nice time, we studied the Torah in depth, we for sure recovered at least a part of the Nitzvot where any time vote adanya was one step closer to what the B'nishchai says, V'hamelech Yismach, V'hamelech Mashiach, when will we have the ultimate redemption and the simcha, once the last of the 86 sparks is retrieved.